Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, uh, yesterday we were shaking the Monday morning blues with the due time crew. And we talked about the first migrants that arrived on the bus at New York City's Floyd Bennett Field to the tent city they built out there only to uh, get upset and leave the site after they looked around and said, absolutely not. Well, they had dozens of families arrive at this remote, and I mean remote, housing site, courtesy of Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul. Yeah, they arrived out by New York City Transit bus to Floyd Bennett Field on Sunday morning. And uh, they were not happy with the 2,000-bed tent city. Yeah. Well, first of all, they said it was quite remote. Uh, One man said that he could not get back and forth to work. He couldn't get his children to school from where they were. It was just way too far Another gentleman said that it was so, so far, there was no supermarket, there was no infrastructure. Yeah, so they were like, no, we're getting back on the bus, we're going back. So they were like, take us back to the train, we're getting on, and we're going to take it to 45th Street, and we're going to go back to where they had previously been. Now, here's the problem. 
they had already maxed out of the 30-day window or the 60-day window for families that Mayor Adams has given them. Yeah. And when they were given an opportunity to go to a shelter, because that's all they were told, they did not know where they were going. They just thought that they were going to another shelter system. They didn't realize that they were going to be so far away. And unfortunately, far away is where they were. And it was just too far. It was just too far. It was just too remote. Now, not only did they run into that issue, but they did not know that on a side issue, the FDNY could not properly put out a fire if one were to break out because they were not really near fire hydrants. Yeah, the fire hydrants were half a mile away, and they said that they really weren't reliable. So I'm trying to figure out, well, when it was Floyd Bennett Field and they were going there, you know, for that, then what would happen had a, had a fire broken out there? Well, not only that, now, they said that they have e-bikes because a lot of the migrants go to work, you know, they do like underground food delivery jobs and the bikes are powered by lithium ion batteries. Mm. And those batteries have been the cause of many fires. So if anything were to break out, the two FDNY satellite units that they would need to respond to whatever fire are also the two FDNY satellite units that would be used to cover the entire borough of Brooklyn. So, you know, again, as we have said numerous times, really there have been no true plans laid out for, you know, these migrants. And they're throwing up these 10 cities. And it's really not a good plan. It's really not a good plan. You know, to, to think that, you know, there's, if there was a fire that broke out, there would be no way to extinguish the fire. Come on. that That's not... That's not legitimate. That's not legitimate. So we just pray for these people who, you know, have been promised a home, have been promised work or whatever else they may have promised them because we don't have any clues as to ultimately what they were told. But we do know that they have been, you know, promised a decent life here in the United States. And they have definitely not lived up to what, they were told. All right. Well, the Duke Time crew also had a conversation. You know, it's Relationship Mondays. And we talk about some red flags that they see scream no second day. And one of the first things they talked about was if he or she forgot your name. 
would they have an opportunity to uh, go on a second date with you? Mm. Well, Pastor K.L. said, you know, sometimes they have a hard time pronouncing their names. And, you know, he would kind of let that go by. Oh, we talked about the wardrobe malfunction. Now, hmm, that's a hard one because based on the malfunction, you may not get a second date. No, no that, that, that's a bit much. That's too, that's a little too much. That's a little too much. And we talked about if, he talked about mom too much or if she talked about dad too much would you really have them out for a second date well I don't know I I think maybe I would have to hear what he's saying about mom you know they always tell you to kind of watch how he you know treats his mom so based on what he's talking about, what he's saying, we may get that second date. I don't know, though. I don't know. If it seems like he can't, you know, function without her at all, you know, to a certain degree, I don't know what we're going to do about moving forward. So it was a nice conversation yesterday, and Chantice was a... Uh, Unavailable, so we had no switch tip yesterday. Okay, all right. So that's how we spent our Monday. Well, today is let's talk about it Tuesday Church Folk Day. Yeah, and I've got a couple things that I'm gonna talk about, and I don't quite know. How excited I am about it, but hey, we're here. We're here and we're here. So I'm going to give you a chance to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Epilepsy can affect anyone with a brain. It does not discriminate. It does not care about your race, your gender, your age, your religion. One in 10 people will have a seizure in their lifetime. One in 26 people will develop epilepsy. If you have a brain, you can get epilepsy, period. But here's something that's just as important to know. Anyone with a brain can affect epilepsy. So let's use our brains to do just that. Let's change the way people think about epilepsy. The way they think about seizures. To find more support and care for people with epilepsy. To know basic seizure first aid. And save more lives. To do more innovative brain research. To create a society where those who live with epilepsy. Like me. Can be open about it. To find cures. To find cures. To find cures. Because if all of us can get epilepsy. All of us can end epilepsy. We just need to use our brains. I'm using my brain to end epilepsy. By creating awareness. By advocating for my son and for myself. By taking care of my child. We're Scarlett and Jasper. Let's use our brains. Let's Let's use use our brains. brains. Let's use our brains to end epilepsy.
Well, good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Let's Talk About It Tuesday, Church Folk Day. Hmm. And uh, our week has gotten underway. And I'm hoping you're doing well trying to figure out what we're going to talk about today. Like I said, ah, the news wasn't so exciting last night when I was trying to find something for us to talk about. So... If you got something that you want to talk about, let me know. I'm open. I'm open. Okay. All righty. So, let's see what we're going to talk about today. about, but as I get to talking, then something does jump out at me, so here's what we're talking about this morning, well, I don't know how many of you know about the Veterans Hospital out here in St. Albans, it's huge. It's huge. And they have this huge, huge scandal that they have going on because they said that over 100 veterans died during the COVID outbreak. And families had no idea that they had died from COVID. Yeah. Some of the um, the families weren't told why they had gotten sick. Now, that was a little hard for me to believe. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, here we are. Some of these people they're talking about died as as early as like April, April um, 2020, and they were saying that they had all of this outbreak going on, and they had no idea what was really happening over at the hospital. And they were, they, they not, it's not like they didn't tell the people that the, the families were dead, but they said that some of the people contracted COVID and they were left in the rooms with people who didn't have the virus. So that meant that 
the other people didn't know that they had COVID, and that meant they could have been positive. Now, as as crazy as this COVID was, more than likely you know that these people were getting sick if they were sharing the room. Now, again, I don't know if you know much about this this hospital if you live here in New York, but when I tell you this place is huge, this place is huge. And these people are there on site. We're not talking about, you know, like the, uh, what do you call it, the outpatient part, you know, where the veterans go and they get treated and they leave. No, we're talking about this is where they live. So they said not only were things like that happening where people were left in the same room with um, other people who had COVID and they didn't know anything about it, they said that nearly a thousand boxes of the PPE um, stuff were left outside of the nursing home and it was left and the rats and snakes had been gnawing at them, at the boxes. Mm. Now, there had been a lot of complaints over there from the families um, about a lot of the treatment and the care, and a lot of people were saying that there weren't, a, you know, good care that was really going on over there in the first place. But they said that a lot of the families were complaining because they were never informed that the people were ill. Not even that they had, you know, we're talking about testing positive, but that the people weren't even ill. Mm. And all they knew was that they were getting a phone call to tell them that their family had passed away. And one of the family, um, one of the people was a 93-year-old veteran who had been suffering from Parkinson's and dementia. And his family is one of many lawsuits, yeah, that's going on over there right now. Now, they're suing for unspecified damages as well as cost of attorney fees. So, you know, why do you need to come up with such a big scandal? I don't understand. You know, we always talk about the fact that the veterans, you know, they're homeless and, you know, nobody has really taken care of them and, so forth and so on, but here they're in a facility, and they're not even taking care of property properly. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, it just shows that it doesn't matter who this. You know, who's supposed to be running these places? If they're not gonna run them properly, it doesn't matter. They're not gonna run them properly. They're not gonna run them properly. So. You know, I we're here, and I, I've never really heard of a lot of, you know, different complaints about this um, veterans' home. And like I said, it's a huge, huge site. 
There's quite a few beds over there. And it's it's really sad that these people have really given their lives and this is what they come home to. Well, we just got finished doing the story not that long ago about the people who are away. And they're not even taking care of um, them and they're on site. So, mm, I don't know. I don't know. You know, for us to need these people to fight our battles on this earth, I don't know, y'all. Let's see what else we're talking about here today. Like I said, I don't have anything that's, you know, really uh, exciting. So I don't mind taking some uh, of your stories, if that's what you got. You got something good? Let's see. Well, here's one that was really, really a sad story. So there's this Las Vegas teen, 17-year-old, who was taking up for his friend who had been attacked by a group of 15 other kids. And his friend is a smaller you know, smaller stature, so they had been picking on the friend, and they threw the small guy in the trash can. And I was like, you know, that sounds like something that they show on TV. That don't even sound real, but, yeah, this is what they said had been going on. And he jumped in. 17-year-old Jonathan Lewis jumped in and, you know, took up for his friend. Well... They turned the attack on him, and they beat him, kicking him, hitting him in the face, in the head, and they ended up beating him so bad that they killed him. Now, another young man jumped in to help him. Jonathan, and they attacked him, hit him in the back of the head, and he had to run pretty much for his life, and now they are now burying this Jonathan, and two other kids um, have been also attacked by this um, 15-member mob, you know, I would really like to see some justice done here because they didn't say that this these kids were bothering anybody. Just a mob of 15. Now, if you got a mob of 15, you, y'all ain't doing nothing but messing around. You're not defending yourselves. Nobody's bothering you. And they said that they do have some students who they have been able to pinpoint. And I'm really glad that they're able to, they were able to identify some of the kids because I would hate to know that, you know, they really did not have anybody who they could arrest because they need to arrest these kids. You know, this mob mentality is disgusting. 
and I really hope they they get what they deserve. Mm. Well, here's a little interesting story that I found. It's kind of interesting. So, periodically, they sweep the White House when, you know, people come and go. And somehow or another, they had a time where the First Lady and the President were gone and the sun was gone. Nobody was there who, you know, um, who normally lives there. And they found a bag of cocaine. Now, this is just a small baggie that was found in one of the lockers. And this was left near the entrance. They said the executive entrance. Now, there's this big hoopla because they said they can't really find out who left it, how long it was there. Now, they have this small window of time that they say it was there for, but they really don't know who put it there. And here's what's interesting. They're saying that they're not even able to lift, supposedly, they're not able to lift fingerprints off of the baggie. And they ended up having to throw it out. Now, this is the way y'all handle when drugs are brought on to the premises. Y'all don't do no real research. And it's a really small bag. It's nothing bigger than the bag we see on TV that they buy, like, from a local dealer. Yeah. So they don't have any footage. No. They have no footage of this area. So they can't see who dropped it there. They say the president and first lady had spent two days at Camp David. So they know it wasn't them. <laughs> well, why would it be them? They wouldn't use lockers. So they don't... They, now, they're saying that could it have been the son Hunter's baggie because he has a history of using crack. Now, it's not his. It's not his. It's not his. If he's got a history of using crack, that little baggie ain't going to do nothing for him. At all. So, I'm like, you know what? Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop. Now, now here's, here's my concern. Somebody can bring something onto the premises, leave it there, Nobody know it's there. Because my thing is, okay, 
they said that they're making it seem as though they check it they checked it let's say before the weekend and then after the weekend so my thing is could they have left the bomb could they have left something else there so they're they're wondering if it was like someone who um comes like a construction worker who was working in the West Wing. Nah, 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 nah. Y'all know, y'all know who left this stuff there. Y'all know who left this stuff there. Now, they're also saying that at one point, they had done a little sweep and someone had left some marijuana there. And they supposedly did the same thing, throwing it away. When the marijuana was left. Mm. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Because that that makes me real suspect. Y'all are that careless with the way you handle the people who come and go. It doesn't matter. Y'all just taking... I'm like... Y'all just taking throwaways. So now, I'm not saying that they eventually shouldn't or whatever, but I'm just having a hard time understanding how this is your recourse. You just end up throwing out the stuff. You really don't put. Um, you really don't put no real effort into finding out who left this stuff there because, like I said. This is just a bag of cocaine. What happens if it was someone or something that was worse? Y'all leaving people to be, like, like in danger? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. <sighs> That's how exciting this news is today. I just couldn't find anything. They have this other story where there was a restaurant owner who was being sued for some uh, customer having hair in their food. Now, I have to tell you, you talk about hair in food. I don't care if 900 of us are eating in a restaurant. 900 of us are eating in somebody's house. 900 of us then bought something off the street. Nobody will find anything in their food but Shanti's. Oh, my goodness. Well, this particular customer paid $15.88 for her meal. And she went back and took her roast beef dinner to the manager and told the manager, hey, you know, there's hair in my food. I want my money back. So she makes this big stink about the food and all of this here. This is out in England. And she makes a scene, they say, and she's telling everybody 
making all this noise that she's got hair in her food. And I guess she carried on a little too much. So the owner went and looked at the footage only to find that at the table she pulled hair out of her head and put it in the plate (laughs) and then took it and said that she found the hair in her food. Now, he was looking for two reasons. He said because he knew that his policy was for everyone to make sure that they wear, like, their hair covered or a hair net or something like that. And he wanted to make sure he could put his finger on who maybe did not have their hair covered. Mm. Well... He came up and found that uh, she did it herself. Mm-mm-mm. So, you know, these people got to take care of their restaurants and cover themselves. I have a little dilemma story that I want to give, but right now, our... We have, well, we have Pastor Jeff on with us now, so maybe I can give my little story here. And maybe as we're talking, we'll pick up Pastor KL so we can get some feedback. Because I want to know what these people think. Mm. So there's a mom who wrote to TikTok to find out if uh, she was being nice or not. So here's the deal. She has a daughter who's 17 years old and seven weeks pregnant. And she's definitely going to go forward with her pregnancy. And her mom doesn't feel as though she should because she doesn't feel she's ready for motherhood. So she says that the young lady is saying, I'll get a job. She said, well, who's going to watch the baby while you're at work? And the daughter says, well, I thought you and dad could. Mom said, absolutely not. I'm not raising another baby. So, she said it got real tense, and, you know, with the daughter planning to work after the baby comes, and assuming her parents are going to take care of the baby. Now, I, I guess maybe the parents don't work, because that wouldn't even make sense, that you, when you tell your parent that you're going to work after you have the baby... And mother asks, well, who's going to keep the baby? You saying her and and your father. So 
So I don't know. Maybe they're not working. Well, okay. I just see. I see here. I see here. So the mother said, no, I'm not doing it. So she said, mm, here we go. I'm very recently retired. Here we go. Okay, so that's that's why she was saying um, mom and dad. Because she said she's very recently retired, and her husband is retiring in less than a year, in about 11 months, and he is counting down, and the mom is count, counting down. And they're like, that's not how they're going to spend their retirement years. It's not fair to them. So she said, I told her that she has until the baby is born to find a place to live. She said, my husband has always been wrapped around her finger, which is normally cute, but nah, we're not trying to do that. So he's not fully on board with what the mother has told the daughter about getting out. And she's asking the TikTokers, is she wrong? So she said that, you know, she is faced with, you know, the fact that she might be raising the grandchild. But the mother mm-hmm, said, no, I'm not doing that. She must find her own place before the baby gets here. So I don't know. Now, TikTokers were kind of split. Some said they sympathized with the mother and some of them went with the daughter. Now, one of the persons said, having been through this myself, the hardest part for your daughter is going to be finding a well-paying first shift job. And the messed up part is that most jobs for people this age are service requiring work past 6 o'clock. And there are very few daycares that are open after 6 o'clock. So, the other ones are kind of uh, flowing with the mom. Listen, nobody told her to get pregnant. And these are the kind of decisions that you've got to make. Now... I want to hear what our Pastor Jeff has to say and Shantice has to say. So let's say good morning to Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. How are you? Good, and you? I am well, thank you, Pastor Jeff. I am well. So, Pastor Jeff. We have this 17-year-old young lady who has gotten pregnant, who has told her mom that she's determined to have her baby. And when the mother asks how she's going to take care of the baby, she said, I'll get a job. Mom says, who's going to watch the baby while you're at work? 
And the daughter says, I thought you and dad could. Mom says, absolutely not. I'm not raising another baby. So they get to going back and forth. And mom gets real peed off and says, you know what? As a matter of fact, you need to find your place before the baby gets here. Not even after the baby gets here. You have to find a ba- you have to find a place to live before the baby gets here. And she says that dad who normally has, you know, the daughter and the, the, you know, they they real cool and the daughter has the dad wrapped around her finger wrapped around his finger rather. He's not too hot on that idea. So I ask you, Pastor Jeff, what's your verdict? Well, that situation was the exact situation that transpired with my sister years ago. Many years ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> she was 17 and, you know, and Mama wanted out of the house, all that. And my stepfather didn't want her. But we we were fortunate to have uh, a grandparent that we sent my, my sister over to stay with, <laughs> you know. But in that situation, you know, I can see how the mom feels. I mean, you know, you retired. You don't want to raise no, no kids all over again and all that. But it's not feasible to get that 17-year-old girl a place to stay because, How's she going to pay for the place to stay and take care of the baby? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be the same dilemma. The mama might as well, you know, deal with it and work it out with the girl in the house, and, you know, and try to figure out a solution from there. You know, I, I can understand how she feel now. And I just told my son yesterday, because he seemed like he always want to learn the hard way, everything. And, you know, he's 18. And I told him, mm-hmm. I, said, I, said, I said, listen, don't be bringing no... No, you know, no babies over here or nothing for, for us to take care because, you know, I'm done. I don't want no screaming babies. I'm at that age. I don't want to hear no screaming babies. You know, I'll be in the store and I'm aggravated when them babies be screaming, <laughs> you know, when I'm trying to shop. I don't want to hear none of that. So, I, you know, it's a dilemma, but I think the mama can't. Just throw the you know the daughter out like that if there's no you know there's no no other structure there there's no grandparents there's nobody else that's gonna help her the girl needs help she made a mistake and she needs help you know okay okay well I'll weigh in after we hear from Shantice so let's see if Shantice agrees or she disagrees with you Pastor Jeff good morning Shantice. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, that's good. I'm okay, thanks. Now, before Shantice gives her answer, I'd love to hear from you listeners. What do you think? Do you think what, you know, Pastor Jeff said, hey, you know, she, you know, she made a mistake, don't put it out. You know, if you don't have grandparents or somebody who you could send her with, you know, you understand that she wants to uh, keep her baby, but how is she going to work and make it happen at 17 years old? You know, just kind of 
try to tough it out. So let let me know. You know how to get me. You know how to get me. Let me let me see what you gotta say. Shantise, what's 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 your verdict? I believe what messed her up is when she was asked, you know, like pretty much what's your plan as far as who's gonna watch the baby during such and such time, whatever and the answer was, Oh, y'all can. I think I think that's what mm-hmm. I had the mother say. Well, you know what? Not only am I not gonna watch this baby, but just so you understand I'm not watching this baby permanently while you're at work or if you wanna go out, get up out of here altogether. I think that's what possibly had the mother, you know, say that because that's not a plan to have anyone else, whether you felt your parents would be stationed now or not. When you decide that you're going to have a child, your plan should never be that somebody else is going to care for your child. I don't care what it's going to be for, whether it's because I want to go out and party or I want to go back to school or I want to go to work or whatever, that should never be a part of your plan. So I, I think that's what messed her up. But I completely understand what the mother is saying. You know, unfortunately, you're in this situation and you're choosing to have the child rather than abort the child. That's completely understandable because not everyone can even fathom the idea of having an abortion. At the same time, you have to understand where I'm coming from as your mama and your father. We've made the choice not to have any more children. We've made the choice most likely to raise you to be a lot more careful and to make better decisions. And you chose not to be as strict with yourself so now why are we paying for what you're doing or what you've done but as far as um her going out to get a, a place before she <laughs> has the baby I'm not too sure about that because of you know what if she can't physically be out here apartment hunting or anything you know everyone's is not as mobile while they're pregnant, but if she was to reinforce that as you know, as soon as she has the baby, like as soon as this baby drops, you on the clock. We need to have this in place, this in place, this in place. We may you know we may give you a little two three months maybe to heal, get your bearings together, but after that, these things need to be done, and you need to start working towards X Y and Z. That I agree with. Maybe not too much as far as by the time the baby comes, you need to be out on your own because we already see how things are out here. It's not as easy to just pick up and move, whether you're reckless or not. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. Pastor K.L. has joined us, so we're going to catch him. i got to tell him the story. Oh, you know, I have to tell him and explain to him what the dilemma is. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? I'm hanging in there, Pastor KL. How are you? I'm uh, hanging, hanging, hanging. All righty. Well, thank you for joining <coughs> us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Shantice. So we have a dilemma this morning that has hit 
the It's Due Time waves. So you have a 17-year-old young lady who has gotten pregnant. And her mom and uh, she and her mom have gotten into this crossroad. Mom made a decision, gave her an ultimatum. So she wrote into TikTok mom to find out if she was right or wrong. So what happened was when she, she, she you know, tried to talk to the, the the daughter out of having the baby because she feels like the baby is the daughter is not ready for motherhood. So she said to the daughter, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to take care of this baby? Daughter says, I'll get a job. She said, who's going to watch the baby while you're at work? And she said, I thought you and dad could. So she told her daughter, absolutely not. I'm not raising another baby. So we come to find out as we read that mom has just retired and dad is on an 11-month countdown until he retires. They are both waiting for this to happen because they're very excited about it and they are not thinking about raising a grandchild once they are, you know, both retired. So the conversation got extremely heated, and Mom says, all right, I tell you what, you now have to find a place to live before this baby is born. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. That's how mad she made Mom. So she wrote into TikTok to find out if, you know, what they thought of her ultimatum. So Pastor Jeff and Shantice, they've weighed in. So now I'm asking you, how do you weigh in? What do you, you know, what's the verdict for you? Well, first of all, it sounds like a West Indian family. I'm West Indian. And, and, and. <laughs> That 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 that's what it sounds like. I mean, they're really really strict, and that that's exactly what they sound like. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I I'd say the same thing. You know, until the child got here. You know, what I mean, Any, anybody who's a grandparent, you know, saying they 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 say a lot of stuff before the child gets here. They're disappointed. Um, they thought their child will be will go further. You know, and uh, rather than being tied down, you know, by a child, so. You know, we say things out of anger and out of disappointment. You know, so I think a lot of stuff that she has said, yeah, she's retired. <clears throat> and, and yeah, she wants, you know, to have her empty nest and live her life now. But I, when that when that grandchild comes, you treat that grandchild better than you treat your children. You know, so I, I, I think she said a lot of stuff out of anger. And I think she shouldn't have said it. You know, I do understand why she said it. Listen, I was putting my children out of 16 years old, you know, out of anger. So I, I think that um, if, if never before the child needs you, you know, for, for the child to think, though, that grandma and, and grandpa is just going to be permanent um, babysitters, I think she's a little out of her mind, you know, and, and out of touch with reality. But I, I think the child will need you more now than ever. So to put the child out and let her have her own place, you know, she don't have to clean her room, let alone take care of her own apartment and a child, I think you send her for failure. Okay, okay. Is Pastor KL breaking up to you, um, Jeff and um, Shantice? 
or is it just me? It's just you. No, clear. Okay, and yeah, that, you, that's were break, what I you was breaking up to me. Okay, and that that's what I was thinking. I, for some reason, I had a feeling like it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't across the board. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for weighing in. Well, I'll weigh in. Uh, Eighteen years old, and you're looking at my eighteen year old decision to have <laughs> my yeah. baby. That's my Shanties. I remember um, I tried to hide it. That <laughs> woo is there a story behind this one? But tried to hide it, um, and when it finally came out, um, especially my mother was very, very disappointed. Nope, she you know didn't kick me out. wasn't uh, wasn't it, That wasn't even a consideration. And I, I give God thanks um, for that. But I also was not of the mindset, you know, that I'm going to get a job and, you know, they're going to take care of the baby. What I actually did was when Shantice got a certain age, I did ask my mother if I could work a night job part-time, and that's how I started to keep a little money in my pocket, so forth and so on. You know, I I think here, you know, what has been the common thought is it's kind of nervy of you, you know, to think that your parents have worked only to be retired and now take care of your baby. And Pastor Gail, you know, said it, you know, with most grandparents, you know, you, you become you know, very, very soft in your grandparent, you know, uh, period of life. <laughs> You're not as tough on your kids as you are on your, um, tough on your grandchildren as you are on your children. But I really think, like, you know, you have said, she kind of got a little nervy. And I think with the fact that the father has babied her and had, you know, the... You know, mom says that, you know, she's got him wrapped around a finger. I think that might have been another reason why the daughter spoke the way she did. She wasn't having a conversation with the father. She was having a conversation with the mother. And a lot of times, you know, we've seen where, you know, the parent, the kids pay the parents against one another. So she's probably saying in the back of her head, well, dad will keep it. You know, I, I know I don't have a problem with him. Really, the problem's going to be with you. So, you know, I think that's where she just got a little nervy and got a little beside herself. Instead of her being humble, you know, you're already having a conversation with your mother and you see where your mother, you know, wants this to go, which direction. She doesn't think you're motherhood material um, for whatever the reason is. She could be right. She could not be right. But she doesn't think you're motherhood material and, you know, she wants you to make a different decision. So you know, if you don't share that decision and you know that you pretty much got to live here, then you need to get a little humility and and act a little different and stop running your mouth because that's what got you kicked out. 
<laughs> not because mother didn't say, you know, because there are people who once you they find out that you like that, you out of the house. They they don't even care whether you mother material or not. You grown, you done made your decision, it's time for you to leave. That's not where she started. So with you, you know, it, you're running your mouth because she did say because the conversation got real tense, she ended up saying that. So, you know, whether she backs down or not, you know, just be humble. You know, be humble. Know that, you know, you can't go out here and get no job at 17 years old to take care of no baby. You're still going to need help. You're still going to need some support. And even if you work part-time, you still need some help. And maybe mom and dad wouldn't mind helping you on that level, but definitely not when you're saying they're going to take care of the kid. So I, that's a little much. So. Thank you so much for uh, weighing in on that uh, story. <sighs> All right, so we've got this other story, and this is just a bit much. So they have arrested this New York City youth pastor, and you may have heard of this story before, uh, because he's been accused of groping two teenagers. And we all know how Pastor Jeff feels about this topic. But this is the topic of today, or one of the topics for today. And he's an older gentleman. So what, what that's, you know, that, that was kind of a little different here because most times, you know, you have the youth pastors on the youth full side. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not a a youthful person. And they say he's been in the community. He spent 25 years working with the children in, you know, parts of the Bronx. He works as a band teacher as well as a youth pastor. He's, he's you know, he's hired to be a band teacher. So they have touching children inappropriately, forcible touching, sex abuse, and harassment is what he's facing. And they're saying that he's been working in this community for 25 years, which is a long time, and they really think that there are a lot of other victims out here. They say that he's worked as a band teacher at a parochial school and public schools. He's worked at a youth pastor at two local churches. And occasionally he would take the parishioners on trips to Washington. He was also um, a site coordinator for two different community centers. They say that He's been a community speaker, and he's really made his way over the years with working with these young people. So now they are actively looking and talking to everyone who he's been in the schools with, they are going to the schools. They're going to his te- his uh, students. 
They're going to the the, uh, churches that he's worked at because they are asking people, are there any other victims? Now, is this something they should do? And when I ask, I'm asking, is it something that they should do individually? Like they're really getting into the community and they're going to the community centers, churches, the schools to seek out other victims, or should they just maybe globally put it out there and see if there are any people that come forward? Pastor Jeff, we're going to start with you. How do you think they should handle this this uh, inquisition? Uh, I think they should just kind of put it out there. If there's any other victims, come forward. And, you know, not, you know, like just look, you know, try to make victims. Because sometimes, you know, people just jump on the bandwagon too. You know, they they should. They, you know, it looks like it could possibly be a big lawsuit. You know, and be like, yeah, well, he touched me too. You know, like with that, uh, you know, R. Kelly situation. You know, rich as he is, you know, I'm ready to say he touched me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, you are one of a kind. <laughs> you know, I mean, just jump on the bandwagon. You know, that, so they shouldn't um, push so hard because you'll have a lot of people say this and say that, and I've seen that. You know, I've seen that happen many times, people just saying it because they want to, you know, because there's a young lady that's kind of part of my ministry now, and all of a sudden she's saying that somebody touched her years ago in my ministry in Arizona. And uh, she was just a baby. She went to some camp meeting and said that she just remember one of the young ladies taking her to the bathroom and she was touching appropriately. And I'm sitting up here like, she was like two years old then. And I don't, you know, and I tried my best to make sure nothing happened to her. And I can't see it. But all of a sudden now she's 16 and she's saying it because all her friends claimed to have been, you know, molested. So she wanted, I felt like she wanted to have something to say because I don't think anything happened to her. You know, she's here in New York with us now, and she's 16, okay. you know? Okay, okay. Um, I, I, re- I really believe in my heart that she just wanted to be part of the crew. She felt left out because nothing happened to her, you know? Mm, okay, and that's my okay. opinion. But I don't know. You get what I'm saying? She can't tell me mm-hmm, what the person mm-hmm. looked like. She can't, she can't, you know, nothing. She just remember somebody, and it was a lady, took her to the bathroom and might have touched her appropriately. And I'm sitting up here like, eh, it don't sound too, too straight to me. Mm, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Pastor KL, how do you think they should handle this? Should they be out? on this witch hunt or should they just kind of put the fly out there and see if they get anybody who takes the bite? Yeah. I mean, 
I don't even think they should put a flyer out there because, you know, like Pastor Jeff said, you know, if I see the flyer, then I'm going to say, hey, yeah, he, he he squeezed my cheeks once, twice. You know what I mean? I, I think they should run with, with, with who they got. And, you know, listen, news travel. So so if it gets out, you know, other people will jump on the bandwagon. But but just to promote it, no, nah, I, I think you're, you're, you're in for a dangerous uh, place at that point. Okay. Okay. Shantice, promote or witch hunt? I don't know who promotes that. Like, you put an ad out. How do you even write? What, what are you writing in the ad? Hey, if you, you know, and I, I know that they have a lot of these commercials now, which is pretty much the same thing. You're promoting these commercials now. You know, if you've been in the Boy Scouts and been touched, call this number, this law firm will help you get justice and all of that, you know, but something like this, I, I agree with, with the men, you know, just deal with who you have right here who was brave enough to, you know, step up and do your investigating and make sure that those stories are accurate and those accusations are confirmed and deal with that then. And then if someone else happens to come up and say, I experienced such and such with so-and-so, you know, this year and whatever, then deal with it as it comes. But I don't agree either with um, putting an ad out, like you hold an audition. Um, That doesn't sound right to me. (laughs) Okay. I have a question based on something Pastor Jeff said. You know, you have a, a person, a young lady, who says, hey, you know, this was me back then. Are you, what do you do with that? Do you leave it alone or do you do the research? Pastor Jeff, what have you decided to do? If you don't mind me asking. You said, make that question plainer. Say it again. Do you, do you leave it alone? Do you tell her, listen, you know what, you were two, what do you remember? You know, you were two, okay. blah, blah, blah. You had that conversation with her one-to-one. Or do you go and you do, you know, the, the research? I'm angry at her. And mm. I can't hardly talk to her because it's, you know, it's like I don't want her to see that on me just in case that is true. But there's, mm-hmm. she knows how I am. I'm very protective. And here you wait till you're 16 to bring this to me. That person is long gone. You oh, know, whoever okay. it is. Okay. And so I'm angry that you didn't give me the opportunity, you know, <laughs> a long time ago to deal with this situation. You know, I've only been back here in New York six years. So that meant... You were 10 years old then. You still could have brought it to me. And I still would have had connections to to that person, whoever it is. And then I'm angry because I really think you made it up. But I'm never going to tell you that because what if you didn't make it up? You know, so I feel helpless. I felt like I did not protect that person. You know, I was the pastor. I was supposed to protect you. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a relative. Mm, so that made it okay. that made it worse. That made it worse. Okay. You know? 
So I, you know, I don't even know what to deal with the situation. When her, when her mother brought it to me, I was angry. Her mother brought it to me because her mother don't seem to be so angry, and it's not bothering her. But it bothers me every day that I did not protect this child. If that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. When you say the person is long gone, do you mean the distance long gone, or has the person passed away? No, no, no. Distance. Because okay, the, dis- the only okay. person I, I could think of who it, who, who it could have been, you know, she's still in Arizona. And, you know, and I, and I, and I trusted that person. I don't think that person would have. But then I do remember as that person's pastor, something like that happened to that person. Okay. Okay. If, if it's who I think. <laughs> but the young lady that's telling the story, she doesn't even remember whether they were light-skinned or dark-skinned, fat or skinny. I just remember somebody taking me to the bathroom, and I felt a little funny when they touched me. And this is, and this is what she brings out. After all these years, you know. Okay. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, you was at a camp meeting here, and you know, with some church folks, and every girl was coming out with their story, and you didn't have one. <laughs> you know. Okay. 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 Interesting. Interesting, because that's what a lot of the Me Too movement complaints were were you know where people said you know they nothing happened you know you just jumping on board pastor kl let me ask you you know if you had a, a situation where information was vague you know do you do the research do you dismiss it do you you know if you're in the predicament where another pastor is what would be your thought as to your recourse? Well, I mean, I, I think that's a difficult thing because, you know, we're talking 14 years later. So so the secretary will probably will, will probably be over. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it will baffle me that, that if, if I'm a family member or if I'm that close to you, that you would wait this long to have this conversation. I, I, I will. I would be, and I won't lie. I, I'd be a little doubtful of how this automatically came came up. Let's think about it. If if, if this happened to you, this, this is trauma that that you remember all your life, and you never thought to 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 speak to anyone as close as you and I was, or as close as your mother was, and and now because you you went to some type of event. And everybody was was disclosing certain things, and you didn't want to seem like nothing ever happened to me. having a silver spoon child. Yeah, I, I'd be a little leery. I, I, I don't I don't know that um, I, I wouldn't investigate. I, God, God Himself would have to show me some stuff in a dream. <laughs> Before you could even investigate this, He'd have to show you some stuff in a dream. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I'd have to have a dream. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Shanti's, what do you think? You're from the opposite <clears throat> side of the fence on this one as far as gender. You know, what do you think? Whew, okay. 
Um, I was gonna, <laughs> I was going to say something that was gonna have me a little on the fence, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to be a little more open now. So I was, I understand the, you know, if I'm close to you, why would you wait this long, so on and so forth. I've actually experienced that where something happened with me and I, it's not that I forgot, but I had, it took years for the concept of what happened to really like hit me a certain way. And it wasn't until a few months ago that I realized that that thing that happened happened with me was is a huge part of the foundation as to why a whole lot has been going on. And not only did I have to understand what happened and then make that association, I had, there were so many different components to it before I could even take it to anyone that I was very, very close with. And I have to say that I'm blessed to have the type of family that I have because even with me just, by, by the time I told someone very close to me what happened, I was a full-blown grown woman. And this happened with me when I was, I want to say about maybe three, maybe four years old. And when I took it to the person, I didn't get any type of, are you sure that's what happened? I don't know. I didn't get that verbally. I didn't get that in their body mannerisms. I didn't get that in the tone of their voice. And, I mean, me being me, I can't say that, you know, that would have been said to me directly and indirectly, and it wouldn't have been some type of, you know, me saying something back, some type of rebuttal. But I didn't get that at all. And because I didn't get that, the counsel I got was you have to talk to the person. And I was like, oh, Lord. Now, anybody who knows me know I ain't got no problem saying nothing to nobody at all. Like, you take what I say, you shut up and you listen. But because of so many different components and one of them being because it happened so long ago, and my biggest concern was I come and I talk to you about this and you tell me that this didn't happen, that you didn't do this to me, that that's what my, my concern was. And I said to the person, they like, well, how do you feel about talking to them about it? I said, my only issue is I bring this up and you tell me I'm bugging. I, I, I can't. I can't be held accountable for my actions, whether verbal or physical. I, like, that that was my concern. But as far as me saying something to someone close to me, I didn't get a, I'm not sure if I can believe you. So I would say I completely understand what you gentlemen are saying, and it, it makes sense. I would say just be very, very careful about how you approach it because a lot of times, you let, uh, the person can actually just push it to the back of their mind or whatever, and it's not maybe until different things happen in their life or now, wait, that did happen, but I didn't think it was that serious or, 
you know, maybe the person made it seem like it wasn't that serious. But now I'm seeing, so I always just say be very careful, even if you don't say it to the person. And and both men have said some things that make a lot of sense. But because I, I've actually experienced that, I don't know, it's like I'm being less just explained I've experienced that, and a lot of times it doesn't make sense to you. But even as the person who went through that and now has to, you know, talk to someone about it, there's still a certain way that we have to go about it because it was so long ago, because, you know, you just may be realizing some stuff, you can't just bust out and say certain things in your kind of way. Um, so on the other end, you have to be very careful as well. But I would say just do, you know, take, take it to the Lord and and make sure you're moving the way you're supposed to move and just be alert because if this is something that has happened and, you know, God needs you to move on, he's going to put you onto it. He, he's going to help you be alert to, to what's going on. And sometimes it may not be for you to do anything necessarily, but for you to be alert for the next person or, you know, the, the next time, or just be there for that person who's coming to confide in you. Um, so, yeah, I would say just, just be really careful how you move forward with that. Okay. No, thank you for sharing. Amen. All righty. Mm, so, you know, somebody out there needed to hear that today. Somebody out there needed, you know, to hear that story. So I, I actually thank you for sharing, Pastor Jeff, um, because we don't know who's going to hear this and who's listening, and maybe they would get some type of understanding and direction. And thank you for sharing, Shanti's because this is going to definitely help somebody today. I don't know who, but it's definitely going to help somebody today. All righty. Here we go with another kind of twisted one here. So I don't know how many of you heard. Out in Alabama, probably Pastor KL is a little more familiar with this story. So you have this <laughs> Smith Station Mayor, F.L. Bubba Copeland, who they say also served as the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Phoenix City, who was found dead. And uh, he took his own life. They say that he was 49. He was known for owning a small grocery store in Alabama. And they say that recently he came under scrutiny because it came up that he'd been engaging in explicit online activities, allegedly posting pornography memes and photos of himself in women's clothing online under another name, Brittany Blair Summerlin. <laughs> They've deleted the Instagram and Reddit accounts that he had where he 
openly exploit his transgender identity. They say that he also reportedly shared chen, tra, I'm sorry, transgender specific fiction and erotica that they authored, that he authored, because they're saying they I hate this stupid he, she, they, them, all that kind of dumb stuff. That he discussed hormone replacement therapy in some of his posts. They say that because he did not publicly come out before his death, that's why they're using the them and the, all of that kind of nonsense. <sighs> but they say that because of this, they're believing that he had some change of heart in everybody knowing and now he he was shameful, and he ended up taking his own life. So there's someone who posted and said, please bear with me while I vent. I am so angry right now and heartbroken. I witnessed a good man be publicly ridiculed and crucified over the last few days to the point that he just took his own life today. He revealed that um, Copeland had reached out to him and he had offered him some support and encouragement and that he was telling this gentleman that he had gone through some dark days. Now, He posted this stuff on his own. Nobody forced him to post it. And this is the way these people are responding to the responses that he got when he posted. It's also been said that it's sad and disgusting how he was treated by the news for personal decisions, however misguided they may have been. We live in a mean, bitter world where the self-righteous tend to throw the largest stones, and this news um, source is the perfect example. What's your thought, Pastor Jeff? Do you feel like let me just let me just leave it like that. What's your thought? What's your thought? Do you think that this person who's writing has a valid, um, you know, point that you know the public was not good with how they responded to Mr. Copeland? Well, I mean, they got a point because they have an, uh, you know, an opinion. And everybody's opinion, I guess, matters. But the bottom line is, how did they think the public was going to respond? The dude was a preacher and a mayor, you know, and he's putting on, you know, clothes and cross-dressing and all of that mess. I don't even know how he thought if it came out, you know, was he really 
you know, he couldn't really been saved. I mean, I, I know the humility behind all of that, but you're killing yourself. I wouldn't want to take the chance and go into hell on that one, you know, because that's <laughs> final. But it's like, come on. What do you think the public going to do? They crucify preachers for little stuff. You know they're going to crucify you for cross-dressing, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to that. I feel sorry for the man. You know, it was a shame, but with all his preaching and everything else, that that's what he thought to take his life. Because what I found out about life, this too shall pass. I don't care what it is. It always passes. It, and it won't seem as extreme later as it was in the moment. You know, I've been through a lot of things. And now that I look back, you know, I, I went through a situation that I just, I wanted to kill myself. And, you know, thank God that I didn't because after I came through it and I looked back and I realized, oh, that situation probably was needed for me. And it was part of the process and the humility that came from. And I'm still, you know, there's still some um, some shame behind it because people still will bring my that up. But at the same time, you know, I got through it, you know, so I don't, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Good point. Good point. Pastor KL. Well, first, first of all, I was holding my heart because I thought Pastor Jeff was gonna say he had a situation where he was a cross dresser, and I was like, no, not Jeff, <laughs> not Jeff. Please, not nah, Jeff. That's not. That's not even close to my <laughs> <laughs> I'm Like. Kill the visual, Jesus. Kill the visual. <laughs> but but my thing with the whole thing is that had you not put your life on camera, we wouldn't have an opinion. No no one would have anything to say negative or positive. You know, you displayed yourself and now people are mad because of how they feel. You know, you, you, you were the pastor. Pe- people, for a lack of term, looked up to you and listened to what you had to say. Yes, we are angry. We are disappointed. We are bitter. You know, so, so you know, give, give us that. We, we, we should be allowed to have that. You know, again, you've displayed yourself. We, this is not something that, that we came and we investigated to see if you was a cross-dresser. You let us know that. You were comfortable <laughs> letting people know that. So so now, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it, you, you, you put a whole new life to, I know I've been changed. You know, that, that, that's not what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, like, so, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, leave it up to you. Leave it up to you. <laughs> Shantice. I wonder, it, it goes with what Pastor Kale just said. I wonder if, like, if a lot of these um, pastors, well, talking about him specifically, if he felt the nudge to tone down whatever he was publicly doing because any guy was revealing to him, even if he did, even if they, 
even if God didn't get specific with him and said, okay, I'm showing you have this issue, this issue, and this issue. So don't put yourself out there like that yet or at all. Or Because I know with me, there's certain times I've wanted to do things and I don't have the type of platform that a lot of, a lot of other people have. But I wanted to do things, even certain lives, social media lives, anything I wanted to do. And God has been like, no, no, not yet, not yet. And then later on, he showed me, I didn't want you doing that because you didn't have this and this and this straightened out. Well, you were still caught up in this, or this wasn't in order. So how are you publicly talking about this or going out? And I'm wondering, did you get that nudge? If you're baptized and have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to do his job and let you know if you should or shouldn't be doing certain things. So like Pastor Kale said, now it's woe with me because... Now, all, everything is out where you thought you were going to be able to select what's public and what's not. That's not realistic. You know, a lot of, a lot of people think that a lot of these celebrities and these quote-unquote public figures, you know, that they have so much control as to what, and God is allowing us to see, no, you don't. You, you want, when you brush your teeth to be public, guess what else is going to be public? When you're in the shower, when you choose an underwear you're going to put on, when you choose it, it's like be very careful when you want to be out there because it's, it's like you think you have all this control in the world and you really don't. And it really has me thinking, like, how much are we really suppressing the Holy Spirit that we really think that I'm, I'm saying, God, I give you my life. I want to do this for you. And he's just going to really sit back and never let us know, don't do that. Don't, or don't do it yet. You know, as jacked up as we are, God wants a lot of us to do a lot because in order for us to push his word, we have to have some type of public moment, whether we have a huge platform or not. There's, there's a lot we have to do publicly in order to minister, in order to disciple, in order to evangelize. Even if you don't have the title of an evangelist, you're still evangelizing. But if you have the desire to want to do a lot publicly, and it could be the desire God has for you, but he's going to make sure you're cleaned up in certain areas because he knows some things are going to spill out that not only he don't he doesn't want revealed, but that you're not going to want revealed. So it, it is kind of like, okay, well, unfortunately, <laughs> everything is out now. And now you don't know how to handle it. Well, if you allow God to handle it with you behind closed doors, then you wouldn't be worried about how everybody else is handling it. Because that's why he killed himself. Because now you're trying to figure out how everybody else is handling you cross-dressing. Or you doing this, or you doing that. Mm. Okay, okay, good point. I want to ask you all this. Is there something, and, and I think this is important, because, again, we're talking to somebody out here who's who's going through this stuff here. Is there something that you put out there on your own because, like, you know, Shanti said, you thought that, you know, it was time. You know, I, I want to do this for whatever the reason is. And after you put it out there, now you realize that you shouldn't have. How did you handle it? How did you fix it? How did you move forward? And I want to start with you, Pastor Jeff. Uh, I have never really put nothing out there that I didn't really want out there. <laughs> you know? Um, 
I mean, I, I have a book out that, you know, I put out in 2013 that revealed a lot of my personal information. And, you know, I get family members, you know, you know, kind of like, ah, oh, you shouldn't have never done that. You know, it's going to haunt you later on, blah, 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 blah. And I can see what they mean because if I get, if my life flows a certain way, you know, people are kind of hold what I revealed, you know, like that out, you know, against me. But, you know, I've, you know, I put it out there and it's out there and it's the truth. And as long as it's truth, you know, I'm not really too much bothered by it. It is what it is. So, you know, I don't really know how I feel about that, you know. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to get with you because I want to read this book since it's out there. Uh, Pastor KL, is there something that you put out there and then at one point you were like, you know what, mm, maybe it was a little too soon, maybe I shouldn't have done it at all, and if so, how did you handle it? I'm with Pastor Jeff, and I, and I would say no. Um, two things, I'm, I'm, I'm private and I have no filter. So, so because I'm private, I, I don't, you don't know a lot about me. You know what I mean? You, I'm not the person that you would say, hey, I was in the neighborhood, so I popped by your house. You won't even find my house unless you know where my house is. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? So I know you're not popping by. That's how private I am. And then when I say something, because I have no filter, I'm, I meant what I said. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I don't have anything that I really regret. If 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 if, if you push me there, you know what I'm saying, then, then I, I said what I wanted to say, and, and that's it. Okay, okay. The abridged version. Have you ever put something out there, Shantice, that you thought, you know, I should have waited or I shouldn't have done it at all? And how did you handle it? I'm going to stop saying my Um, I can't think of anything that I've put out and then I've regretted putting out. I can just really right now think of how times I've wanted to put things out and the whole spirit was like, yeah, no, not right now. Or, yeah, no, you're not going to talk about that. Or you're not going to show that. And that was his way of... <laughs> making sure I didn't put certain things out there that I would have regretted. And then, like, maybe later on, it may cross my mind again, like, oh, I remember when I wanted to speak on or do or show, and then I it was revealed to me, like, why either that wasn't a good, a good timing for it or why it wasn't done at all. Okay. So, I mean, okay. outside of making sure when I do things, I'm consistent with it, but, yeah, I, I think God just always, like, let me just help you, help me, help you. And I ain't going to let you go do it. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. You know, you've, uh, as usual, you're all transparent in your own way. And thanking you so much. You know, we talked about some some really uh, interesting things here today. And... Hopefully we've left our listeners with something to think about. Thank you so much for your contribution. 
into today's conversation, and we pray you all have a blessed day. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right. God bless you. You too. All righty. All righty. We're going to take this time to go before the Lord and uh, holding hands and holding hearts. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. We enter your courts with thanksgiving, God, as you have allowed us to see another day. Giving you thanks, dear God, for just keeping us overnight, watching over us. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, as we've discussed these stories today. We thank you for how you've covered our lives, how you've kept us on the side of sound thinking, how we've allowed you to dictate the things that have gone on. And when we've stepped into our own and onto our own path and we weren't thinking about you, that you still covered us anyway. We thank you so very much for always looking out for us. Thank you for always being that safety net (laughs) that catches us out there. We give you the glory and the honor today, God, as as Pastor Jeff said, you know, sometimes we found ourselves on the fence of wanting to not be here anymore. But because you said no, we are still here. And we're here to tell the story. We're here to contribute to someone else's deliverance. We're here to evangelize, disciple, and minister for you, God. And we're thanking you for not allowing us to let go. Thank you so much, Father. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, uh, that you touch the life of the listener. Those who hear the things we spoke about today, that they would learn to let go and let you have your will and your way in their life today, God. We're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, to be with this, the, the listeners today. Be with the ministers today, God. As we're ministering, we're also encouraging ourselves. We're also giving you things as to how we can look back and sometimes we look and we wonder how did we get over. And we must give you the glory and the honor, so rightly do your name. Thank you, God, for teaching us how to trust you. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for just not letting go even a little bit because that could be so costly. We love you, God, for all that you have done. We love you, dear Heavenly Father, for the times when you said no. Mm, mm, mm. Lord, we're going to lift up this young lady before you who Pastor Jeff is referring to, God, and we're going to ask you to deal with her. If 
there is truth or if it is true, the story that she's telling, we're asking you, God, to give her whatever amount of insight she needs to have that you want exposed and to shelter her, God, from any unnecessary pain or giving that information to someone who is going to hurt her even further. And, Lord, we ask you that if this is not true, if she's jumped on that Me Too train, that you deal with her accordingly, that you allow her to surrender and open up and be truthful so that you don't have someone who's feeling bad, feeling bad unnecessarily. You don't have someone possibly look that cross-eyed because now someone's wondering if that person is actually guilty. Whatever is going on in the wake of this story that's not true, we ask God that you fix this situation right now. And we hum we ask you to humble her so that lives can move forward in the right way. So that you get the glory out of everything. And so Lord, we're just grateful. We're grateful for the fact that it was in us. That we may not have a story like that to tell. We thank you, God, for what Shanti said, any any time you've liberated her. When you've made the story clear, and we ask you to deal with the perpetrator, God, that she didn't remember just for her, that you have a plan for everybody's life, and that there is some healing even for that person. So we pray you continue to do your perfect healing, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for the transparency of the due time crew. That every time we open up, somebody's life is changed. No matter how slight, no matter the topic, no matter how we're dealing with it or how we're feeling. Sometimes we openly discuss stuff that we don't even intend to talk about. That we thought was hidden and we thought we were going to keep it closed. But you had another plan. So we say thank you, God, for using us. Which might be the only reason why some of us are even still here. Thank you. Thank you for keeping us. We trust you, God. We lift your name on high. And we pray that you bless this broadcast to continue to touch and reach lives and continue to change the lives of all who bear witness to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm. You know, as we talk about these things, you know, as I was listening to everyone speak today, I was marveling at God. And I I was just like, God, you know, we never know what we're going to stumble across. You could always rely on Pastor Jeff to give a story, you know, and... We we're we're always in the wake of stories from our due time crew. Our due time crew loves to tell stories. And you know, this was handpicked by him. 
and everybody was handpicked by God to be on this broadcast. I didn't wake up and say, you know, I want this one, this one, this one, and this one. Everybody was handpicked, and I see why. I see as I listen, it's exposed and revealed to me how we're designed to touch lives. You know, you listen to, you know, so many morning shows, so many podcasts, and, you know, we don't have to listen. We we have a lot of listens, but we don't have to you know, the listening audience that a lot of other, um, what do you call it, um, shows, podcasts, broadcasts have. But one thing I do know is we touch a lot of lives. And I give God thanks for that. Because we're not just here to make you laugh. We're not just here to amuse you. But we're here to touch lives. And touch lives is what happens, changing lives. Some of our own lives have changed as we've been on this broadcast ministering. You know, we all started off as listeners. And, you know, God just plucked us out. And now we're ministering. And we're not doing God a favor. Like I said a, a few minutes ago, we don't even know if that's the only reason why we're still here on this earth. It's so that we can be used by God. And we need to take that into consideration because, you know, God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us a thing. But we owe him because we've made such a mess of our lives. That's the one thing you constantly hear. All the mistakes that we've made and God has covered our errors. That we're talking about these different news stories and how many times have we been able to listen to a news story and we, be, we, we can sit back and say, mm, that could have been me. That could have been me. If God had it turned out another way, it would have been me. So we have so much to give God thanks for that we're not splatted on the front page of any news our family members are not splattered on you know any news story because of our actions God is so merciful and for people to you know sit back and so casually and you know, cavalierly say, you know, I, I want to give God thanks. You know, I get up every day and I give God thanks, you know, for what he does for my life. If you are not doing what God wants you to do with your life, if you are not walking in the purpose in which God has you here, shame on you. If you've heard from God, as to what you need to be doing and you've decided to go your own way, shame on you. Because every day you listen to a story here on his due time, it could have been you and sometimes it should have been you. But by the mercy and grace of God, it is not you. There's a lot we have to be grateful for. 
that God has not plucked us out and just plastered us and exposed us. Here we're talking about someone who exposed himself and then couldn't deal with the repercussions. Now, here's where my head goes. Could have been that was a punishment because you chose to live like that and I called you for something else, but you chose. I called you to lead because that's what pastors do. We're not ministers. We're not preachers. Pastors are called to lead. I called you to lead. You answered that. But you think that you can actually do it your way? You think that you could actually answer my call to lead people, but then secretly live your hidden life? So, no, I'm going to give you the inclination to go ahead and put it out there because you think that this is okay. And if you don't think that this could be a possibility, you better go back and read your Bible. Because when we look at the fact that Pharaoh constantly changed his mind, he said yes, then he said no to Moses, yes, then no, he changed his mind. You read, it'll tell you, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God has a way of doing whatever he wants to do. So there's a possibility that he exposed himself and God just let this go ahead. Put yourself out there. Because, see, we're misguided into believing that what we choose is what is okay. That God actually takes second seat to what happens in our life. That he's okay with taking a back seat to what happens in our life. And this is a way of God showing that, no, I'm not okay with that. If I called you, if I called you to pastor, then you have every bit of responsibility of making sure that your life is in, I mean, intact. How dare you now live a life of a transgender? How dare you talk about getting some hormone replacement done I've already gave I've given you the call but now you think you can now do it your way you think you're going to answer my call and then customize it and this came up yesterday when we say yes to God we are also technically saying yes to your will and yes to your way we don't have to say those words when we say yes that's what we're saying yes to because other than that we're not saying yes we cannot customize this thing we have to do it God's way so how dare you think that you're going to be able to answer my call live your hidden quote unquote life put it out there and then nothing happens Somebody else is the dodo who says, well, this world is a cruel world. This world are nothing but stone throwers. Absolutely right. They are. Because we're in a position that we have to be at a certain level. We have to live by a certain standard. And I think Pastor KL said it. I'm sorry. We don't get the luxury of doing what we want to do our way 
and that there's no repercussion. And Pastor Jeff said it too. For the small things that a pastor will do, that they may not even be wrong about, they they going to throw stones. So for you to live this type of life, you all out on the Internet, all out there with pictures and videos. Now, I'm considering that this just might be the way God is dealing with him. You know, it may sound like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, but you know what? The God that I'm reading about in this word, you know, we're in the process of reading the Bible from cover to cover. And let me tell you something. When you've studied the way I've studied, and I come from a studying pastor. I mean, she studied and taught you how to study the word of God so that you get real good understanding. And when you come from studying the word of God, and then you take the time to read the Bible from cover to cover, man, you start seeing some stuff and it's illuminated differently. And it has allowed me to see exactly what God has done. And and sometimes, you know, uh, right now we're in John and I'm reading, I've read so much and I'm like, oh my God, God did this. Oh my God, God did that. Oh my God, God said this. Oh my God, God really said that. Oh my God, Jesus said that. Yeah. It's not as simplified as people would want you to believe. You know, this, this word that, oh God is not that kind of a God. Jesus is not that kind of Jesus. I think you need to read your Bible. Because sometimes the way uh, Jesus answered those disciples, I had to laugh. And everybody here on this earth is so temperamental. And sometimes Jesus would just ask them, like, y'all really don't get that? You really don't get that? I really got to say it to you that way. But if you say it to people, they're like, oh, you got to talk to us like that, and oh, you shouldn't say those things, and oh, you're just so harsh. Jesus didn't mince no words. And I look at how God maneuvered. And we better thank God for Jesus. That's all I got to say. Because God sending his son, <laughs> Man saved us from, I mean, God did not play. And there was no buffer. Jesus came and there was a buffer. There's a buffer right now that really prevents us. Because Jesus is petitioning for us to the Father all the time. It's the only way and the only reason why we're able to get, you know, through some of the stuff we get. And we're still here. And we're not suffering. And we're not out of our mind. And we're not walking around with one leg, one arm, one eye, you know, half an ear. No. Only because of Jesus. So when you are looking at stories like this, you have to look past what's on the surface. Because there could, could be some real stuff going on. And, you know, if you look at Romans, it tells you... Ignoring God leads to a downward spiral. You think you could do it without the Lord? Okay. He says, I don't have to touch you. 
All I got to do is leave you to you. And I'm going to let you see how far you get. See, we, this world believes that it can operate without God. No, we can't. If we were to really see what life is like without the Lord, man, we'd be jacked up if it weren't for God holding on. And we have so much to be grateful for that he did not let us go. Because the, he says, I'll leave you to a reprobate mind. Means he ain't got to touch and he ain't got to make nothing happen. You have to punish us. Just leave us to us. And that is punishment enough. So we have no other recourse right now. As people who claim to be in the army of the Lord, as people who claim to be on the Lord's side, as people who claim to know God, as people who claim to be in that life that they they live for Jesus, they're going to die for Jesus. Nah. Jesus told people, you you going to deny me. Well, guess what? That's the way we live our life. We don't come out like Peter and, t- and say, no, I don't know him. No, that wasn't me. Our actions and other words reveal that we deny him. And if we were to pay the ultimate price for that denial... We'd be in, I mean, just, we could be where this past is. All exposed and believing that we are right. So come on, let's get this together. And understand that God has been merciful and he has given us another chance. So let's, let's, let's say today is a brand new day and let's make it happen. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. If you've given your life to the Lord, then take this time and strengthen that relationship with the Lord, because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Wow Wednesday. Until then, I love you.